Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Give it up for Ryan O'Neill. Thank you all very much. Uh, <clears throat> the, I could have put a better title on this. I could have said how I spent $40,000 to get 250000 of ARR and increase my valuation by $2.5 million. But um, I, I, I don't know if you all other CAOs in the room like this. I, I, I like nuance, right? Anytime someone gives me a report, I want to find out the bad news too. Like give me both sides of it. And so that's what I hope to share. Um, the founder of Curate, my wife and I, Started a floral company back in 2013, realized there were no softwares that managed like weddings and events. So I started building it. 2018 or so, I had caterers saying, can you please come over and start building the same thing for us? And so we, we, we abstracted the tool to be more of a cross-vertical uh, cross tool. We've seen you know 280% growth in the catering segment over the last year. So it's been really cool to, to, to see things evolve in our company. Um, but we specifically help small businesses like florists and caterers. Uh, some really exciting news I figured I'd just share right here. We've been working on for a year and a half on, on rebuilding all of Ryan O'Neill's mistakes when he first programmed it on a WordPress theme. Um, and uh, just today, we, we, we've been working on this for a year and a half. About three hours ago, we sold our first customer on our new PLG platform. Um, so super cool to see cash coming through. Um, yeah, thank you very much. But y'all know that moment where you've been working on something and it's like the whole team gets a shot in the arm. Um, but this is a more of a, I, I, what I'm excited about talking about today is just the learnings we had through an acquisition. Um, one thing that I have learned in, in having chats with a lot of you all is a lot of times acquisitions come down to what your mission is and the decisions you make are based off of what that mission is. So I just figured I'd give you all insight into the decisions we made and the good, bad, and ugly and what we learned through the process. Um, so for some context, it was 2020. We're in the special events industry. And our growth was like $0 for like three, four months in a row. Our customers were trying to... Our, technically, we became profitable April 2020. We were very bootstrapped. Um, and it, we just we saw an opportunity. One of our competitors was really going through the same problem, except for worse. They were a much smaller competitor. They were doing probably... 120,000 in revenue, and um, they just, she reached out to me, um, and it was in that moment that we were like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense uh, for, for us to be able to make this acquisition, and then kind of selfishly, as a founder, you always think, well, someday I'll make an acquisition, and it looks like, this is a great starter acquisition, let's do this one. So this is just a, a really quick way over the next 20 minutes to share 
the gory details of it. If I've got time at the end, glad to take questions. But a few key areas that we're going to be looking into are uh, making the deal, what that looked like for kind of a very small micro acquisition, something that could move very fast. Uh, the second is learning scan. What, what kind of a what's a summary of what we actually learned holistically about the process? And the last is why will we never likely buy a one to one competitor again? So we'll just jump in. Start with making a deal. How do you how do you run a, an acquisition, a micro acquisition? Well, very first you move fast, right? As soon as she got an email, like it was minutes later, and life was happening around me. My uh, I had my daughter was scheduled to be born like in a week and a half. My dad, I wouldn't call it scheduled, but he was on his deathbed, and so like that was you know in the middle of that, a lot of emotions happening. And then I get this email from this person, you know, in spite of like having to ask tough questions about our company and whether we have to do layoffs, things like that. Uh, we never had to, thankfully, but. Um, I, I knew like we had to move fast with this person. So I immediately contacted her back, said, hey, so great to, to hear from you. Let's hop on a call. We were on a call like the very same day. I was in like a hotel conference room, hopped on a call with her. And I said, <clears throat> hey, you know what? Let's put a letter of intent together and um, I'd like just get, let's get, get, give it and put an NDA on it and just don't talk with any, any of other competitors until, and she seemed very amiable about, about that, not talking to any other competitors until we were able to have a conversation. So we put together a, a letter of intent, put exclusivity on it and said, just, just, let's just talk together that this would make a lot of sense for us to be able to move fast. Um, we just pick a number as well. Like if you're going to have to, you know, start somewhere with the acquisition, especially small acquisitions, you're probably more advanced than this person is about theirs. If you're if you're trying to acquire someone larger than you, it's probably going to get a little more advanced. But um, just pick a number. We ended up at forty thousand. We actually gave them an option. We said, well, sixty thousand, and we'll do twenty thousand up front, and then forty thousand if you uh, if we have X Y Z customers who stay on, or you could just do forty thousand. And she's just like, I just want forty thousand. So we're like okay, let's do it. Um, we didn't know, but she had an investor, you know, kind of a small, small local investor that she had to pay some money back to anyway. So, um, and then we just created a Google a sheet with the Q and A and with all the questions, all the uh, the sort of the deal room questions you normally get, but then. We just kept on going down with the further questions and like, all right, what about, what about this? Like, where's this login for this particular thing? And then she would answer it, and she was very motivated. She was very efficient. Um, for her, that leads to the next point: is find out what they want. And in her case, she just wanted out. She had been doing this for seven, eight years. When I actually had the idea of the software, I was looking for other softwares that did, and they were the one other software that actually did what what we I was thinking of, except for there was no way for me to log in or try it out. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that if they're going to be a competitor because I, I knew I was going to create a company. Um, so we acquired them. And so we, we, we found out what she wanted. In her case, she just wanted out. She had lived this phase of her life, and she was ready to be able to move on to the next thing. She wasn't wanting a big payday. She couldn't really make a big payday off of it. They were in the red. They were making 120000 which is about a tenth of our size at the time. They were in the red, and um, so she just wanted to be able to get out of the situation. Um, so that's the most important step to moving fast is just figuring out what they want and cutting through all the other garbage that, that you could you know go in and out that you could care about, but maybe they don't care about. And then I just say all the stuff, I just reframed everything I wanted right back to her and said, well, here's what, here's what I'm hearing. And I started putting stuff that I wanted in, into the here's what I'm hearing, but then I made sure I was putting what she wanted, uh, all the stuff she doesn't care about, but then I made sure I emphasized the stuff she did care about. And when I got done with the list, she's like, yeah, that sounds right. Well, great. Let's write it up and uh, we'll put it together. So um, if, if, it's, if they want something complicated, just reframe it back to them to get to that end goal. What's the, is anybody fans of the job to be done framework in here? 
got like four or five. I love that. If you've never searched jobs to be done, my life was changed after the job to be done framework. Clayton Christensen, Harvard professor, insanely awesome. So find out what their what job is this customer, in effect, trying to get done. Um, and then always point back to that reason, right? If they're like, oh, I'm not sure I can do this and that, just always point back to it. She was very motivated. Our legal said, yeah, we've never seen anybody close like in three weeks um, before. It just takes a long time on this. And, you know, never tell a CEO like no one's ever done this before because that's like a personal goal for you. And we did. We, we closed it in three weeks. I was uh, literally at the, uh, at uh, my my dad my daughter was born August twentieth. My dad passed away August twenty second. I literally was at like the funeral home when I signed the, uh, the the deal, and I had my team running most of it. Like I wasn't like super involved in it, so it was really emotional time. But it, it things happen when they do. You just have to move fast, find out what they want, and you don't have to drag it out. Um, and the other thing for us, at least at this small of a deal, like make it clean. Don't put in these these crazy equity buyouts and all this stuff. Just make it super clean if you want to move fast. Strictly asset sell. Simply L- simple LOI. We have a really simple LOI that we use that's downloadable with all the resources that, that come with the conference here. So if y'all want access to that, just to see the actual terms that we put together, uh, feel free to, to get that in the packet wherever, um, wherever they have it to download. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game. Less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. Some learnings uh, that we gained in the process. Number one, uh, keep customers first. Number two, be hands-off. Number three, micro-acquisitions really can work. So number one and number two sound like they conflict. How do you keep customer first, but then be more hands-off? Like this is kind of an odd correlation, but I'll jump in. Number one, keep customers first. Our biggest learning of the acquisition, the entire thing, was to make a timeline of what the customer's experience is going to look like. Hey, on September the 15th, we announced that we are doing this acquisition. On October the 30th, you're going to get a new contract sent to you, right? Like that, that with the details on it. On you know December the 15th, you're going to get a, uh, t- uh, uh, an email and we're going to migrate you on this date, right? Just make that super clear and keep that priority in your company, cross-functionally in your company, so that whenever you come back and you're building technical specs, maybe don't communicate these timelines to the customer until internally you've got alignment because you're going to come back and be like, oh, it's going to take us too much time to run this migration. In our case, we were shutting down the platform. It was an old platform. It didn't work very well. We we had the time because no customers were buying right from us. It's not like we could like you know use it in other areas. So for us, um, we came back. We made adjustments to that timeline, but we kept that first. Right, keep that customer viewpoint first. Build all other pieces around that, and then um, build a customer committee is the other thing that was really helpful. We 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 built. We took five ten customers, got them in a committee. We ran all of our narrative by them, and even in our relaunch to product led growth that I talked about earlier. Um, even in that relaunch, we're still going to be doing that same muscle of, of building that customer committee. 
committee just to take all the narrative by them and, and get through. You know, I was talking to a few of you before this started. The whole reason for me to do that was to figure out why are you here so I can make sure that the narrative that I'm communicating to you all matches with that. So that's really important. Be more hands-off. This is where it gets weird, right? Because what we found on one of our biggest mistakes was how hands-on we are and how good of experience we were trying to give to customers. And yet it ended up being a bad, a worse experience than it could have because of confusion and, and you have multiple team members who are communicating multiple things. Just tell people a simple, clear price and leave them alone, right? We tried to say, hey, we're going to acquire you. We acquired Bloomtrack. We're going to honor your current price until the end of this particular time period. Uh, most of them were annual contracts. Then we're going to give you 30% off of the package that you will have a year later. And then a year later, you're going to be you're going to be at this new price. And I get it. Like, it really was, I mean, it's COVID. These people are worried about money. Um, but at the very same time, that made it super complicated when you get into prorations, when you get into plan changes, when you get into people adding stuff to it. Just tell them the price and say, hey, this is what, what you're going to move to. Here's the date it's going to be at. So that was a big learning we had. Um, webinars are better than onboarding. I, I literally went back to our post notes after the acquisition to prepare for this talk. And that was one thing they said, just do big webinars. Like, don't don't go with each and every person and, and work through it. These are small customers. Our, our ACV for a, as a company is $2,200. These are like $800 customers, right? So it was a very small ball type of play. Again, for us, uh, I'll tell you in the next section here why it still was beneficial for us. But um, And make the process simple, right? The less steps you have, the better. Just reduce the amount of steps that you're communicating to the customer. That said, they, they do really work, right? They The ROI was incredible compared to all the other ways that we could have made money in 2020 in the special event space, like with special event vendors. So the it really was great. It was a it, it was a, a shot in the arm for our team. Um, it, what was cool is like I had all these salespeople who four months before were like, man, we can't sell against Bloomtrack because they're so cheap and all these people are going to them. And you get inside their books and you realize like it's an entirely different world, you know, behind that website of what's going on. And so you, you but, but you got these team members who don't think like that and understand that. So it's just really encouraging as a, as a CEO to see behind the, the, behind the doors. Uh, we saw nearly 200% NRR on these. We had one customer that went from 3,000 to 30,000, right? Like two of our largest customers came from this. And so it was a really cool opportunity for us to be able to, to grow that customer base. Um, and so we picked up several of our largest customers. And they were able to help a ton of people in the industry. You know, at the end of the day, these people would have lost all their data if this company had shut down because they didn't have money. They were in the red. And so we, we were able to help a lot of people in the industry, um, helped with some people, but then some people just had a different reason not to like us, especially in a very, uh, in, in our space, people can be very emotional, very, very small business. Um, so simpler pricing. So I, I mentioned this a little bit. You know, what we did was, hey, this year, you know, we're going to honor your current price. Next year, it's 30% off your future price. And then you'll be at full price. And this is w ignoring the fact that we change prices in between, right, as a company. And so you got all these contracts out and commitments out. Um, what we should have done, well, we should have said, hey, we're honoring your current price at your next renewal. Here's going to be your new curate price. Like what we were offering was you know, for, for some of them was a lot, but just because they talk a lot or can leave a bad does not mean that we should have adjusted our pricing and made it more complicated and a headache for everybody else. So the benefits of that are clean, confident, and clear. The problems are other weird proration issues. We had to load these low ACV deals that weren't sticking with us anyways, and we just like prolong, it, prolong the pain with them. 
So returns and investments, um, the beginning ARR of the cohort of customers that came from BloomTrack were 120,000. So we paid $40,000 for 120,000 of ARR, which again, sounds, wow, that's an awesome deal. It was, and it helped us close a, a, another round of, helped us close the actual round of funding. We were primarily bootstrapped up to that point in time. Uh, the next year, we closed a $2.5 million round of funding. So the, these numbers help in saying, hey, we grew through COVID. Um, our, the current ARR of that same cohort is around $250,000. Um, of the revenue driven, I just ran a query on this. If you don't have Google Sheets queries, if none of y'all use that, you need to look it up. Gosh, it will change your life. Google Sheets queries. Um, but I just ran a quick query on this. It's kind of like VLOOKUPs and all this other stuff, but so much more powerful and really quick to pull data. Um, We've had $309,000 that has come from this group of customers paid into our company. Uh, the purchase price, including legal, probably was about $65,000. Honestly, they would have taken $20,000 for the deal. I feel, like, I, fe I feel like if I just told her, can you give me your company, she would have considered it. Okay? Like... <laughs> now looking back, because she wasn't getting any of the money. It was an investor who was getting most of that money anyways, right? Like, so I, now looking back, but we paid 65000 for it. Um, estimated other expenses. This I've just ran some quick you know, metrics like developers and customer success time and all this stuff we had to put into it. Probably $200,000. So maybe 265000 is an estimate that we spent, and we've driven $309,000, um, depending on your opinion on net present value, right? Was it worth it? Yes. Would we do it again? No, right? Like, not in this particular situation. So a few things um, uh, for a one-to-one -one competitor that really make it not something super attractive. Um, number one, hindsight is 2020, and 2020 is in hindsight, right? Like, for us as a company, we're never going to be in that same scenario again where we, we're, like, looking for the growth, looking for opportunities, and never in need of a quick win like we did. And the second is getting rid of your third place competitor. They were like our third place competitor in this, and specifically in the floral space, opens the door for others in the market. And so all of a sudden, we've seen three or four other little companies pop up. Um, <laughs> I don't have time to get into it, but one who was a co-founder of the company we acquired, but we're dealing with that through legal. Um, and so all of that stuff, uh, it just happens, right? You open this door for more people in the market to pop up. And then starter acquisitions are great, but you don't need to. Right, like you've already had your starter acquisition. Let's not just keep. Let's let's keep focusing. The other reason is distracting. We had to redirect all of our efforts to this. Right, like learning how their platform was built. Um, we they I mentioned this problem in the next slide. They didn't have anybody that came with it. Right, it was literally just her, and she had a couple like part-time kind of people that really didn't come with it, and she was already gone. I mean, she she was there. She was great through the process, but like she wasn't going above and beyond to, to sort of make everything work once the papers were signed. So um, just got to keep that in mind. Your team is the one who's putting on that effort with a micro acquisition. Um, and the next is we weren't able to focus on company goals during this time, right? Things that it was during this time where we kind of conceptualized the idea of in our market, we had to move product-led growth because we had such small ACVs, really great close rates. We closed like 60% of the florists we talked to and like 40% of the caterers we talked to. But the problem is getting people to talk to you, right? Like they're busy. They've got a lot of stuff going on. So it was during this time, oh, we need to move to product-led growth. Well, we couldn't jump into that. We were going through this acquisition process. Um, and then it's hard to change the mind space of hundreds of customers, right? Like of, of how they're working at the same time, trying to move them over, especially with our business model, which was not very product-led growth. Um, and it's hard to get alignment with your team around the details. A lot of the pieces that are going on 
it w- in, in the process of an acquisition, especially if you don't have a muscle built. Uh, my board member was a CMO at a company who was kind of like, you know, staggering for a little while in their spot. And he became the CEO and immediately did this like brilliant like three acquisition and like these reverse acquisition moves. Just brilliant guy at doing it. He's built this incredible muscle on it. If you want that to be your muscle, right? Like, but that was not our muscle. And so that's, that's a piece on there. And then it's just easier just to build, be the better software, right? It's the, the last, it's just easier just to build better and build faster, uh, especially when you're in a space that you're going one-to-one with a competitor. If we were to do another acquisition, it would need to have these parts. Number one, we said, come with the team. We aren't just buying a product, right? Like we now have to make sure it comes with the team. Be very product-driven company. So not, not just a revenue acquisition. It's not just like a revenue opportunity. Um, be a complementary product. Be something that adds value as opposed to something that we're trying to run our current product with. Uh, automatable. We've got to be able to have an easy way to automate the integration as opposed to doing a lot of manual work. And then more than just a chair. So those are some pieces for us. Um, so full, it's, uh, it's glad to, I think I have two minutes, so I'm glad to take a question or two about any other mistakes we made. Awesome. Well, I've just done a great job. Well, thank you all so much. Oh, I, I do have a question. That's a great question. I think probably more than likely my competitor would have bought them and they would not have been able to do the migration very well at all. So I think some of those customers would have come to us because of how badly uh, somebody with a six-person, we had like a 25-person team, somebody with a six-person team would not have been able to do it. And I I know they would have bought them. I totally know they would have bought them. So um, yes, but probably more because of that. Um, and I feel like they, they probably would have come through um, one way or the other, a, a portion of them. But I don't know about the biggest two, which are kind of our big, you know, we, we have one that's at 30000 one that's like 25000 I don't know if they would have come through. When, oh, I'll come here and back over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You go, go ahead real quick. Uh, I'm not sure if I missed this, but did you migrate from Yes, I'm sorry. I, I said that in two seconds. And as a CEO, that means everyone in the room knows it. Um, so yes, we migrated them. We moved them from their platform onto ours, and we deprecated their platform in four months. Were there differences in features that you were to accommodate for? There were slightly. We were a much more advanced program. Like, So if a florist is creating like an arrangement on a table, right? Like there's a recipe with ingredients that go into that. We, can't, we cover the backside of that. Well, for them, they only covered one of those, whereas we had like two recipe. You could attach two recipes to it. Well, with that model, um, it was super easy to migrate some of that. But there was like a copy and paste feature where you could copy a list of ingredients and paste it somewhere else that we had to do and a few other small things. Say again? I actually did. We, we didn't think... I, I was like, why, why? It doesn't even make sense until I used it in our product. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this is really graceful. Um, so we did build that. Uh, one of the problems as well is our largest customers had these custom-built Franken reports, right, in this other platform. And they were wanting us to reproduce those. And we, they, you, just, you just can't. So I'm, I will, I'll be open for questions after as well if, if anyone uh, wants to stop by. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah.